We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. going on everyone what's happening it's jay scott and it's the hook rocks the ultimate rock community podcast thanks for tuning in once again always appreciate when you put your headphones on and you're listening or you're listening to us in the car um always appreciate giving us a listen don't forget to write us a review when you are done listening let us know what you think we always enjoy the feedback uh, we are part of the pantheon podcast network a great network of music related podcasts something for everyone everyone's music taste it's pretty much represented um on that platform so go check out pantheon podcast at pantheonpodcast.com and on all social media instagram twitter facebook at pantheon pods and you can check out the hook rocks on all three of those social media platforms at the hook rocks so please check that out don't don't forget to set your app wherever you listen to us on automatic download so you get the latest episode right to your phone we've had some Tremendous episodes recently. We just had Miljanko Matijevich from Steelheart. It was a great interview. We also had George Lynch um, from Lynch Mob and Dokken talking the new Sweet Lynch album and a lot of other things, too. It's always interesting whenever we talk with George. We also welcomed Pablo Vandepol from the band D-Wolf, great band out of the Netherlands. We also did a special show with a special co-host, Don Jameson, as we talked with Scott Gorham of Thin Lizzy. And Bourbon House returned on another new music spotlight, talking about their latest album, the fourth album. Tyler Bryant also talking about his EP, Dirty Work. And we also had Phil Lewis of L.A. Guns talk the new L.A. Guns album. And we had welcomed Matt Wake to review the L.A. Guns album and talk about the new tracks and their legacy. The great rock journalist, Matt Wake. And don't forget, uh, we started the first part of April Ranking our top 10 albums from January through March of 2023. 
So check that out as well. Some other great episodes, Jared James Nichols and Tuck Smith, Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick, and Richie Kotzen from The Winery Dog. So give all those a listen and more. We're approaching our four-year anniversary and our 500th episode here in the next couple months. So lots of great milestones. So looking forward to that. So we've got another great episode. I always label my episodes great. Who wouldn't if you're doing your own podcast? Um, it's a gentleman I met last year at Creatures Fest in Nashville, and many many of you heard our review of that weekend and the the journey that it was, the hits and misses, some big misses. Um, but we got to know each other, and then uh, ran into him again at Rock and Pod, and I've been wanting to have him on for a long time. I will say this: if you ever need a beer. And he is within like a couple feet of you, it will magically appear. I don't know where the beer comes from. I don't know how he, like, when you see him walk, he doesn't really have any beer on him. But then all of a sudden, he pulls it out of these magic places. I don't, well, I don't want to say magic places, but different places. And he comes up with a beer and it's got like the koozie and the beer already. And it's like a, it's like a whole production with the slam fest logo on the koozie and it's like i think in a previous life he was a beer vendor at a baseball stadium because there's no other reason why this man always has beer to give people wherever you're at and that is brad and the podcast is slam fest what's happening brad how are you Jay Scott, good morning. What an introduction. That was great. As as i was cheering you at before and yeah, i've got a i've got a yangling with a with a koozie. Slamfest koozie in it right now. Of course, it's afternoon for me. It's still morning for you. So yeah, yeah. Well, it's still <laughs> early. You know, I'm not a morning person. Um, I think well within the the podcast community, people know that I'm not a morning person. So I like my sleep on weekends. And but I got up early for you for you, Brad. It's eleven o'clock here in Chicago, and I was able to roll out of bed like ten minutes ago, send you the Zoom invitation, and here we are. Yeah, it's nice. called, called efficiently managing one's time, basically. There you go. There you go. Well, yeah, thanks for the thanks for the invite. Yeah, like uh three weeks ago, I think you sent me a message. You said, Hey, I want to have you on. And I said, Great. What do you wanna what do you you know, what do you got in mind? He goes, I don't know, talk about music and <laughs> talk about slam fest. I'm like, sweet, let's do this. And yeah. uh, so we were able to make it work. I never run with a script on any show. Um <laughs> good for you. And that's kind of the, the, I guess the, the element that's different about my podcast than a lot of others is I just sit down, turn on the zoom and go. Um, I used to have some questions that I would, would want to ask when I first started, I write stuff down, but I like a more conversational feel to the show, to the episodes. And it's kind of more for me, like a, like a sports talk, talk radio type of atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think I, yeah, in, uh, in Nashville at, at Rock and Pot, I may have mentioned this to you, but yeah, you're, you're a great interviewer. I mean, the, the interviews that you, that you have, I mean, I like all your episodes, but the interviews that you have, I think you do such a great job. And it's, it's a conversation with the artist versus a kind of versus an interview. So thank you. you do a good job it. with it. Yeah. Well, before we get into Slam Fest, which, I can't wait to talk about. Uh, I always ask the same first question every time. 
I have a first-time guest on, and that is really what the show is all about. Just like every rock song has a hook that pulls you in, every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band, or performance, that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you? Yeah, so rock and roll specifically, and maybe we'll talk a little more about my my vast you know interest in in different kinds of music but rock and roll specifically is kiss which again is a is a popular answer i'm sure with a lot of your a lot of your guests but this it's interesting because again the the kids in the neighborhood were into them and i'm talking late 70s so 1978 time frame so i was uh 6 years old so the older kids in the neighborhood had the stuff and so I was kind of wowed by that, but it, it started really with my babysitter, which is kind of a funny story from across the street. And she came over one time to babysit and she brought Kiss Alive on LP and she had Destroyer on eight track. And she ended up, she was showing it to me and talking, you know, this, this guy does this and this guy does this and, and I ended up asking my dad for five bucks and bought the Kiss Destroyer eight track from her. <laughs> so that was my that was my first, you know, uh, eight track acquired. I didn't use my own money, obviously, didn't have any money, but uh, my dad loaned me the money, and that was my that was my entry point into rock and roll. I don't think people understand, especially people that are younger than us because i'm i'm 48 um you're you know around the same age yep the importance of older kids in the neighborhood for rock and roll you know i got a lot of my music from my older brother who ran with a different crowd in the neighborhood you know the older kids he was four years older than me and you know i had my friends he had his friends and we all kind of like merged together at the park and we always had the boombox going and we had whether Motley Crue playing or Van Halen or Judas Priest. It was so important for a young kid because when I tell people, and I'm sure you have experienced the same thing, when we tell people that, yeah, I was listening to that when I was six or I was listening to that when I was seven or eight, they look at us like, wait a minute, how did you know that music at that young of an age? And it was because of the older kids, my older brother in the neighborhood. And that was such an important, important aspect because I remember going to grade school and the kids that didn't have an older brother or an older sister or whatever, didn't have the same music taste as I had, you know, they were listening to like the Duran Duran and the culture club and whatever was popular in pop music at that time. Whereas I, when I was bringing in tapes of like, you know, Judas Priest, you know, Screaming for Vengeance and and Van Halen 2 and all the stuff that was going on. And they were like amazed. I was in first and second grade listening to this stuff. And it wasn't until like years later that they actually caught up and started listening to what I was listening to as they started to get their own music taste. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I do have an older brother, three years older uh, than me. And he, yeah, he had a huge impact on what I was listening to kind of more into the eighties, but in the late seventies, it, it's kind of interesting. He was into Casey and the sunshine band and REO Speedwagon, you know, so that type of, that type of stuff and anything else that uh, our parents had, which our parents had a, had a decent uh, record collection, eight track collection as well. But yeah, so kiss was, 
kiss was mine right or at least it was um you know he was not involved in getting me into that that was uh i went my own way uh with that but he was a huge impact on me during the 80s for sure and as far as kiss goes my first album i ever bought was lick it up i was eight or nine when i bought it with paper out money yep and um but before that, I had listened to, I don't know if it was before or after. I'm still trying to determine when it was. But Kiss Alive 2 was a huge impact because I had a neighbor who was, the older brother was my brother's age and the younger brother was my age. So they moved away to a couple towns over. And we went there on a Saturday to visit. And we hung out there all day and he had Kiss Alive. And I brought these blank tapes with me so I could record it while we were doing stuff and yeah, that had a huge impact on me too. the whole live. And then you open up the gatefold of uh, kiss alive too. you know, uh, that was mesmerizing for a kid our age, you know, that was yeah. like, what the hell is this? This is incredible. Yeah. Like I have to see this. Yeah. Mind blowing for sure. And so, yeah, I had, you know, five, eight tracks. So love gun came next, uh, dressed to kill, after that dynasty and then unmasked i had all those on eight track which you know a lot of people are surprised that that's you know even at at my age that i was kind of getting into eight tracks at that point and and then kind of you know fell off the i think like most people probably fell off the kiss thing a little bit maybe in the early early 80s you know i was getting into van halen and rat and you know, that, that twisted sister, you know, that type of stuff. And then kind of came back. It kiss came back into my, into my aura, I guess, right around the, oh, look it up. I mean, I can remember the, the makeup coming off. Actually, my, my dad, the next morning, or maybe it was Tuesday morning, because I think it was a Sunday night that they did that on MTV real late. And so maybe it was Tuesday morning's paper. Keep him showing it to me, right? The 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 picture of him. Um, I didn't see it on MTV, but I saw the the newspaper article. But yeah, I kind of got back into him with with Lick It Up, and and then then never turned turned back from there. So this is such a a you know gateway to rock and roll too. I mean, so many of us have been influenced by them, and that was our first initial connection to music. Um, Mine was a little bit different. It wasn't Kiss at first, but I still remember the the presence of Kiss wherever I went. I still remember being in the grocery cart, being a young kid, probably like five years old, and seeing, I don't know if it was Us Magazine or People Magazine, when they introduced Eric Carr to the world as the Fox. It was People. Yeah, People. Yeah, I I remember seeing that magazine on the kiosk as you check out. And I'd be like, what is that? Like, who are these people? Like, but the painted faces. And then you'd see the the Halloween costumes. And then you saw them on solid gold and all right, that right. stuff. And, and it was just, yep. they were always like very interesting to me. Like, what is going on with this band? Uh, you know, the presence was, I think, felt even before I heard the music. Sure. Oh, yeah. It was a curiosity. Because that was like the Star Wars generation, too. Oh, yeah. But, Oh yeah, the you know the all the droids and the aliens and and all that kind of stuff, and it was everything was interesting and different, and yeah. also too, you know, you didn't have everything at your fingertips at that time. So, you know, when you did see something or hear something, 
you savored it more and you understood that you're probably never going to watch this again because right. a lot of us didn't have VCRs at the time too. You know, we didn't have the ability to record it. So when a song came on the radio or a video came on MTV, we stopped what we were doing because it wasn't yes. like we can just listen to it and pull it up on Spotify or YouTube and listen right. to it, you know, whenever we could. So there was an appreciation for it and an appreciation for the moment because back in the day, if you missed something, you know, if you had to go to a dinner and a ball game was on and you met, you never had the ability to go watch, you know, watch it again or right. know, if a TV show was on, you had to wait for the summer season to start to catch the reruns and everything. So it was a lot different. So you appreciated music, you appreciated whatever more because it was, you, you know, the, the way you absorbed it was a lot different. Absolutely. And that's the beauty of like MTV, right? I mean, if you saw something, then what would you do? Well, you'd wait. <laughs> to see it again. I mean, that was just perfect, uh, you know, a perfect model. And the radio was, you know, similar. Obviously, you'd hear something and you'd want to, you know, you'd wait and, you know, try to keep the radio on and maybe try to record the song, yeah. you know, and hopefully the DJ won't talk, you know. Oh, I used to piss me off. At the, oh, at the end off. of it, right? <laughs> right. So, uh, but back to Kiss, when was the first time you saw him? Ooh, uh, the first time I saw them was on the on the asylum tour. Okay. Um I don't know. I, I try to remember if it was King Cobra that opened up for him or Wasp. Um well, either one. Hey, I mean either one I think was yeah. right on that tour. I think but, I think but... Wasp may have opened up for them on the Animalized tour. And then King Cobra opened up for him on the Asylum tour, um, which which reminds me, you had a recent conversation on your podcast about King Cobra and Keel. Oh, right. Yeah. And <laughs> let me just say, the King Cobra album blows away the right to rock. I mean, the song <laughs> Hunger, Shadow Rider, I mean, that album is absolutely phenomenal. And the only reason why King Cobra never got elevated to to a bigger status was because of their record label that they were on, which was just absolutely abysmal. <laughs> but yeah, that, that that King Cobra album, Ready to Strike, blows away the right to rock by Keel. And I don't think, so yeah, that was the one I bought. Yeah, I talked about that on that uh, Rock and Pod recap. I bought that, and my brother bought the, the, the right to rock, and I, I think I liked the right to rock more. I didn't realize Hunger was a cover that's a that's a cover. It's a kick axe song, actually. I did not know from, that. Wow. From, okay. From Canada. Oh, all these years, yeah, check it out. Thinking, like that's like yeah. a great, great song. I didn't know that was. Yeah. A cover. Check it out. It's a it's a it's a cool version. But no, that's a great song. I can I can re still remember the King Cobra video. Yeah. For that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay, well, yeah. So I saw Kiss for the first time, Hot in the Shade, and and I I could have seen them on Crazy Nights and it didn't. Uh, didn't work out but hot in the shade was the which seems late you know i mean i was i was uh i guess 17 uh at the time and uh but that was the first time i saw him but heck of a heck of a tour to see for the first uh <laughs> that, first that, was show. With, that was with faster pussycat and slaughter right i yeah i saw those two they opened the omaha nebraska show which i'm from nebraska for your for your listeners and then i saw it later 
on in the uh, later leg in Lincoln, Nebraska, and we got Vixen and Winger. Okay. Which was interesting. You know, again, it was interesting to obviously see see different, you know, different bands uh, open those shows. But yeah, that was that was a fun tour to see for sure. Yeah, live music has always been a part of me. Uh, it has always. Even now, I go to I go to a lot of shows per year. I still get a that feeling, you know, right before bands ready to go on stage and hit hit the stage and and just get create that synergy for the crowd, which is why I get so I don't know if angry is the right word, but I, I'm probably disappointed. I get so disappointed whenever I see a bad performance, you know, because you're taking the time. We're all taking the time out of our day to go see this. And when you see a an artist that doesn't care about its audience, like Vinnie Vincent did yeah. at Creatures Fest, <laughs> yeah. it is just, it's aggravating because we've seen so many shows and we know what a great performance is. And we know what what drives us to keep going to concerts. When you see something like that, like what we saw at Creatures Fest, it is, it's it's aggravating, you know, and, and to kind of get into it, for those that didn't hear my Creatures Fest review, Vinnie Vincent was a big deal when we were younger. Uh, he was the guy that replaced Ace Freely. He was on the cover of the album, Look It Up, without the makeup. He only had the makeup on um, during the tour of Creatures of the Night. He's not listed. And I, and I think there was like three, two or three guitar players that played on Creatures of the Night. He was one of them. So there was never any kind of like documented album with him on the cover. Um, I know they've tried to revamp. There's been like unofficial bootleg covers of the Creatures of the Night with him as the Ink Warrior, the Ankh Warrior, whatever you want to call it, uh, on there. But the name Vinnie Vincent was such a cool name back in the day. And he was different. He had that pink guitar and the pink flying V. And then he went, he left Kiss. There were some issues within the band that he left. And then he started Vinnie Vincent Invasion, which was in the prime time of that MTV hard rock, you know, moment revolution back then. And he had and basically I still remember my mom taking me to get his autograph at Rolling Stone Records outside of Chicago. And my mother goes, is that a man or a woman? Because he had the the full outfit on that he has on the back cover of the the, the, the Invasion album. And I'm like, Mom, that's that's Vinnie Vincent. He can dress however he wants to dress. You know, he's a former member of KISS. And then there was that album, and then there was the All Systems Go, and then everything just fell apart. And then he had some issues with other music, getting putting other music out. I don't think he ever really released anything after that. There was always rumors of like these guitar jams and these and these solos, but basically he was branded difficult to work with. Um and it's kind of hard to dispute that considering he hasn't really done anything since that album. Uh, and then the re- you know, he started to do these small conventions and, and these small shows, these private shows in, around Nashville. And a lot of them got canceled and people were pissed because they had to, you know, they bought plane tickets. People are coming from all over the world because there's this 
mystique about Vinnie Vincent. And he hasn't performed that much over the years. So lo and behold, they announced as the first guest, I think he was the first guest announced at Creatures Fest was Vinnie Vincent. And I'm like, I think you'll agree, Brad, that all of us that were interested in attending didn't think he was really going to perform. There was going to be something that happened that was going to, you know, stop him from performing or, or cancel the show. We just, we didn't want to believe it until we, we saw it. So as the story goes, he's performing on the Saturday. He's really performed on the Friday. And I'm all set to go see Tuck Smith at the basement at 7 o'clock in Nashville. I'm like, cool, I'll Uber over to the basement, see Tuck Smith for a 45 set, Uber back, and Vinny will go on. So then we get the email that Vinny is going to go on at 7, I think it was, 7 or 7.30. And I'm like, yep. well, that blows that out of the water, you know, because – I wanted to see the train wreck that was Vinnie Vincent. I couldn't miss it. So sure enough, everybody starts lining up to get into the ballroom prior to the thing. And we're all sitting there like, why is everybody lining up? So we get in there and then we get into the ballroom and we're not allowed to go into the entrance till like, it was like an hour. It was like, we're oh, just yeah. sitting there like staring at each other. And it's like 8, 30. I'm like, man, I could have gone see Tuck Smith. And here we are. We're just staring at each other. So then all of a sudden the doors are shut to this ballroom. And we hear guitar playing. We don't know who it is at this time. We just hear a guitar playing, playing, and it's nonsensical, just shredding. So we don't know if it's a guitar tech. We don't know who it is. We don't know what's going on. So Zeus, our friend, who is a big Shandy uh, song fan on a mass, that's his favorite Kiss song, Shandy on, on a mass. <laughs> so if you ever send him a message or or email him, just Talk to him about Shandy. He loves to talk about that song. <laughs> he does. He does nonstop talk yes. about it. Yeah. So, so Zeus goes and puts his cell phone camera up to the keyhole in the door, yeah. in the ballroom, which kind of strikes me as why does a door to a <laughs> ballroom have a keyhole in it? Like is someone <laughs> knocking and then does someone get up from a table at a banquet and go look in the keyhole to see who it is before they open the door. That make no sense to me at all. But anyway, <laughs> uh, maybe they got a discount. Maybe it was cheaper. Maybe they had to, you know, get rid of these doors. <laughs> I have no idea. So uh, that all thought process is going in my head. Like, why does a door to a ballroom have have a keyhole? But anyway, so the picture came I mean, out well too, though it was cool. Remember? Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> without those keyholes, we wouldn't be able to see Vinny on stage. So who <laughs> right. puts his camera on in on the keyhole and is filming? Vinny playing on stage without anyone there. No one's in the ballroom. He's just playing. And this goes on for like 20, 25 minutes. Oh, yeah. We're yeah. all standing there looking at each other. We're hearing this guitar playing. <laughs> and then all of a sudden the doors open up. Okay. And we all, everybody comes in and he's, he just keeps playing. And he's on top of this tank, this structure that was built. Because if you those for you that don't know, the tank was kind of part of the drum set on the Creatures Tour. So that was kind of like the theme. So he's on top of this tank in a pantsuit, like like a Hillary Clinton pantsuit, with the KISS makeup on that he wore, the, the Ankh Warrior, the, the Ankh Warrior makeup that he had, which is completely ridiculous in its own self. Like, what the hell is going on? And he's just continuing to play and play. Doesn't acknowledge the crowd. Doesn't say, hey, Nashville, what's going on? Hey, Creatures Fest. Glad to be back. I'm Vinny Vincent. Blah, blah, blah. Boom, boom, boom. Whatever. 
Nothing. He's just playing. And we're all just like, what the hell is going on? Again, the doors just opened up if he's playing 20, 25 minutes and we're let in. And then this goes on for another 15 minutes. So all in all, 40 minutes of him just just playing whatever it is he's playing. And then it gets better, folks. So all of a sudden, you know, because we don't see a drum set up on the stage. There's no drum set. And I think you and I walked out during the solo. Well, yeah. So just to just to interject. So earlier in the day, they posted a picture of this tank, right? Like of the stage, yeah. Yeah. With, you know, as though they were constructing it. And I mean, at that, at that point, I'm like, oh, you know, this could be pretty cool. You know, if he's going to have a band, because at this point, we still thought there was supposed to be <laughs> a band on stage with him, which there was not. Yeah. But yeah, after we went in, I I think I, I lasted, I don't think I lasted a minute <laughs> of why, because I'm like, this is ridiculous. And I, so I, I left and I think we were on the same page, Jay, because I saw, I saw you out in the, in the lobby too. And I think we went and got a drink and we were just sitting there like, what is going on here? This is, this is insane. But then we did, we went back in because it's like, then we heard like drums or we, yeah, we heard yeah something like a, maybe the beginning of a, a song. I lo- it, was, it was the beginning of I Love It Loud. I Love It Loud. Yeah. Yeah. Because we looked at each other like there's drums playing. I didn't see any drums up there. <laughs> right. So we, so curiosity, you know, killed the cat. So we walked back and we wanted to see like, oh, did they, did they put a drum set like up on the stage? Who's playing drums for Vinny? And lo and behold, there was no drummer. It was a drum track. And it was the I Love It Loud drum track. And then they started piping in Gene's voice. Yeah. That's on I Love It Loud. (laughs) And there was a bass player up there. There was Vinny. And there was also these people that I did not know who was up there. I couldn't really make out who was up. Seeing the background vocals to I Love It Loud, which was strange in itself. So then that's done. And I'm yelling, I'm yelling out in the crowd, where's the drummer? Where's the drummer? Who's the drum? You know, and also, too, like if you were filming, there were no signs that said no, you know, filming prohibited. There was nothing like that going into the into the ballroom. So we walked in and people were filming and people were getting their cell phones slapped out of their hands. They were getting flashlights in the face. They were it was just it was ridiculous. So. There was that going on. And then Bruce Kulik came up. And I'm trying to remember what song Bruce played with him. I couldn't remember. I think it wasn't it War was it War Machine? Yeah. I, yeah. It was I think, I think I think it was. And yeah, and that I think that was kind of a that was a little bit of a train wreck. Yeah. Also, just again, but you know, trying to play with this backing track and you know, Bruce, you know, trying to it, it just the timing, you know, of the whole thing was just it was just awkward. I felt bad for <laughs> I felt bad for Bruce. Um, but he yeah, he played he played the solo, uh, you know, I think during it and and all that. And then yeah, then we got uh then Ace came on. <laughs> Ace came on and Ace is yeah, he's an old school guy, so he doesn't play to a drum track, you know. <laughs> and no. they started playing. Was it Deuce? And they were, tra- yeah. I think that's what they were trying to start. Yeah. And they stopped. They they started and they stopped because because Ace couldn't find the place that he needed to be in because it was a drum track. It wasn't a count 
that he started. Right. And then the ace gets on the microphone. And he's like, I can play anything, but just, <laughs> just got a drama. Where's the drama? You know, in his ace voice. They did, so they did Deuce, and they did Cole Jin. Right. Um, uh, neither one of them are Vinny songs. Uh, right. Which, an odd, which were odd choices. And I don't remember if they, they didn't have a vocal track on those three songs. The bass player, whoever the bass player was, was singing. Yeah. Yep, and then it was same. over. And then it was over. It was done. And it was just, we, we all walked out of there like, what the hell did we just see? You know, we saw, we saw pretty much a, a figuratively a, a, a train wreck, basically. And you missed, and you missed Tuck Smith at and the basement. Yeah. <laughs> For this. And again, this is not how this was billed. Uh, you know, this it was billed as though there was a band. I mean, the social media posts leading up to the event, they say taking pictures of doors that say rehearse, you know, rehearsal room. Oh, Vinny's rehearsing with his band, and you know, they wouldn't, you know, divulge who it is and all this stuff. And you know, I don't know. He missed a he missed a big, big opportunity, <laughs> I think, you know, to it would have been cool, you know, to have, you know, see a band, see Vinny play some, you know, creatures and lick it up era stuff. And unfortunately, we we did not get that. Even like <laughs> Vinny Vincent Invasion stuff, too. Oh, right. I mean, songs, you know, yeah, actual actual songs versus the the backing track stuff and the noodling, which is I had Tony Masalam on my my Creatures Fest recap episode about that particular show and he called it noodling which i thought was a great uh a great description of what he was doing for 40 minutes yeah my my question is how many drum tracks did he did he audition <laughs> before he settled on that one i don't know <laughs> i don't know and yeah i don't know if it was the next day or even that night because i think yeah we all gathered in the bar you know area afterwards and we're just all you know all the podcasters are just, you know, jaws on the floor. Just what the hell did we just see? But Joey Casada, you know, told the story. He was backstage, you know, kind of during this. And I think when Bruce was going out there, Ace said, good luck, Bruce. <laughs> Before he uh, he went out there, which which was hilarious. But yeah, drama. Yeah. It, it was drama. On <laughs> one sense, I'm appreciative of that I saw it. Because I always had that with me. On the other side, I got, I'm like, I miss Tuck Smith for that. That is, <laughs> that is ridiculous. You know. Uh, um, yeah. But no, it was it was definitely an interesting moment in in my live music um, experience. I've never experienced anything like that. I never. Um, I hope I never have to again. But that basically was probably the worst performance I've ever seen. And I've been to hundreds you know, of shows throughout the years, maybe even into the or, you know low thousands. Yeah. And I have, yeah. I, I have never seen something that bad. I concur. Same for sure. And, it, you know, and Vinny was not, I don't know, maybe he was the first one that got announced, but I was on board as soon as Bruce and mm -hmm. Bruce's band uh, got added to it. And then, yeah, then it blew up and Peter, you know, and so, I mean, it was a, it was quite the event. For sure, with the the Kiss star power uh, there, but yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. I wasn't sure what to expect with Vinny, but figured you know it'd be a if anything, it'll be a train wreck, and it'll be something that we'll never forget. So, <laughs> how did your 
love for live music because that's really what Slam Fest is all about. Slam Fest is all about the live show, the experience, the set lists, you know, yep. the, the pre-gaming as we used to call it back in the day. Yep. Where does that come from with you? So, well, so my first show was was supposed to be Iron Maiden on the uh somewhere in time or somewhere on tour tour in March of 87 and we had an annual ski trip out in Colorado and of course it fell <laughs> right on that so a bunch of my buddies and brothers buddies went to it and we're driving out to Colorado for a ski trip so the following November saw White Snake with Great White opening and this was when that album the 87 album blew up mm-hmm. finally because I think they were opening for Motley Crue on the girls 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 tour and so here's the here's the first show and i i mean i, I bet every, i mean everyone can remember their first show and kind of that feeling and the anticipation leading up to it but you know sitting in there and you know having the drum tech come out and hit that bass drum <laughs> you know before the first band comes on and you feel it you know and that's this is the first time your 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 senses are feeling you know, a, a PA system. And anyway, I, I can still remember that. And just the, you know, the hair on my arms, you know, going up and, and again, just the, just the spectacle of it. I mean, that was a big, they had a big stage show, big lighting rig, you know, just all of it just, just encompasses your senses to the, to the point that I, yeah, I was just blown away. And I'm just like, when, when's the next one? When's the next one? And, you know, the next one was Iron Maiden, but it was the Seventh Son tour. And then the next one was ACDC on the Blow Up Your Video tour. So anyway, so from from there on, I, yeah, I just uh, tried to tried to go to as many shows as possible, which was a little difficult. Again, I was two and a half hours west of Omaha. And again, everything went to Omaha, which is fine. But two and a half hours, you know, that's that's not easy to to get a parent to take you to or or whatever you know until we could until we could drive so uh my my shows early on were were limited a little bit and of course financially you know during college it was tough but you know as soon as you get disposable income and and uh can start really racking up the shows that's uh that's that's what i did so that's you know that's that's where it comes from that's where it started what was it about that experience with that show that kept you coming back? The White Snake show, or yeah. just the first show in yeah. in 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 general? You know, it was, and it, it probably this probably played a part in it. It was packed. <laughs> okay, so this, I mean, this is a GA arena, Omaha Civic Auditorium. You know, old school venue, but you know, 12,000 people type of thing. And I mean, White Snake was huge. It was packed. So I, I think that probably had a lot to do with it. Just the, the atmosphere, you know, the, the environment it's itself. I mean, I was, I was sitting in the lower bowl again, GA. So, um, and I, I was, I was sitting because I, I think I wasn't sure what to expect on the, on a GA floor <laughs> at that point. And the friend that I went with, it was short and we're like, yeah, let's, let's just sit for this one. So really the next one, which was Iron Maiden being on the floor. I mean, that's, that's kind of a, 
that's experiencing that's really experiencing i think uh, a, a live show because now you're now you're dealing with the physical you know ga piece of it and and obviously you know just again the 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 onslaught of all of the all of your senses at 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 once um just just blew me away and just and maybe part of it is because i can't do that jay right i i i don't play i, I played piano growing up i've got an acoustic guitar that i just kind of fiddle with but you know the fact that these people write songs and perform in front of thousands and thousands of people and that's not something that i could ever do you know that that's that's a that's a part of it too <laughs> yeah it's the it's the synergy between what's being played up on stage and the performance with the crowd the crowd is almost as electrifying as the performance well i should say this on a, a great show the crowd is just as important as sure as oh yeah because if you're oh, in yeah. a dead crowd you know where no one is really into it everyone's just kind of standing there it makes the show a little bit mundane it makes the show and even though the performance might be good there's just something about a crowd that is just raging at that time and just feeling it and you're a yeah. part of that on on the other side of the barrier of the stage. Right. It's just this magic moment that you can't find really anywhere else. I mean, I, I suppose maybe a sporting event is kind of similar to that. You know, when a crowd cheers a home run or sure, sure, or, uh, you know, a, a a key basket. But there's periods in a in a sporting event that kind of have dips and. You know, the crowd kind of becomes quiet and then it kind of goes up. You know, the crowd gets into it again during certain moments. Whereas a show, if it's an hour and a half to two hours. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. The great shows are when everybody is just locked in for two hours. And the crowd is locked. Like the Iron Maiden that that you said, you know. I've seen Maiden several times. I've always told people that at an Iron Maiden show, the crowd is just as fun to watch as the performance (laughs) because the crowd is roaring for two hours. Like they don't stop and they're into it. Uh, Metallica, kind of the same thing, you know, and a lot of these bands, you know, get these crowds and and they just, it's just awesome. I remember taking my son to see the rank of tours four or five years ago before the pandemic. And it was at the rave in Milwaukee. And same thing, Jack White comes out there, just gets the crowd all fired up, and that crowd was on the same plane <laughs> as the band for that period of time. And that's when it's magic. And yeah. that's what keeps us, I think, going back is to feel that drug again. You know, that that absolutely. You know, that like you said, the hair on your arm standing up, the the anticipation, the just you walk out and you're sweating and you're less like, man, that was awesome, you know? Yeah. And again, the good ones, 
are the ones that aren't standing there playing their instruments, staring at their shoes, right? And that's, I think that the 80s kind of brought that, maybe some of the 70s uh, bands too, but the the more animated they are, you know, tying in, they're playing this great music, but they are engaging the crowd and they're, you know, pointing out people and they're, you know, they're running around the stage and it's, you know, the visual it's not not necessarily the stage show and the lighting, but the visual of the artists performing, right? They're not just playing the music. They are entertaining the crowd. And that's, yeah, again, nothing wrong with Rush. I love Rush. I saw Rush twice, you know, but they're not necessarily, you know, the most engaging, you know, they're not running around the stage and, and all of that. They're, they're, they're playing, you know, very, very precisely and, and, and all of that. There's nothing wrong with that, but there's nothing better than a, than a show where, you know, you're, you're listening with your eyes a lot as well. And that's a, that's a huge part of it too. Yeah. There's something, I mean, I've always said to people who have kids, take them to a rock show. They'll be changed forever. There's nothing like it. There's absolutely nothing like it. And I, I can speak directly because of my son. I took him to his first show when he was five and we drove down to Kentucky which is right on the, you know, the, there was a place right on the border of Cincinnati in Kentucky called uh, Southgate House. And Butch Walker was playing there. And I love Butch Walker. And if you ever get a chance to see Butch Walker and you want a great performance, he will blow your mind. And, you know, it was a small venue. And I took him and he, when we drove back home the next day, I, I, had, I bought him this like toy guitar like a couple years before that, which had, it looked like a real guitar, but you hit certain buttons on the guitar to made certain tones and he's trying to play it. And when we got home, I go, what are you doing? He's like, I want to learn how to play guitar. Boom. That's like, yeah. Oh, take yeah. your kid to a rock show. They'll be changed forever. It's just something that, and then you have to keep going. Like you have to keep feeding your, I don't want to say addiction. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> I mean, again, it makes me every time I go and, it, you know, it's obviously a little different now that I'm 50, but I, I still, and you know, look forward to the shows. Right. And, you know, I get, I, I still kind of get the, the same feeling, you know, lights go out type of thing. You hear an intro over a PA or whatever. I, you know, I still, I still get that. I still get that feeling. And, and that's, uh, that's what keeps bringing me back to. So. It also was when when you and I were growing up, going to the newsstand area of the grocery store or store and looking at Circus Magazine or Hip Raider, and I think Circus had more live shots than Hip Raider, but you'd see the bands on stage performing, and you were like, wow, this has got to be so cool to see them up. Look what they're wearing, and look (laughs) at the crowd, and it was like, I got to experience this. I have to, I have to go see something like this. And that played a lot into it too. And did you see the, the us festival in 83 at all on TV? So it, yeah, I, I do remember actually one of my, uh, my brother and I, uh, some of our friends had a old beta max <laughs> wow. and they had it on beta, which was, oh, we made, we kind of joked about that for years, but yeah. So that's probably the first time. So I didn't see, I don't remember it actually happening real time, but I remember watching it, 
you know, in the mid eighties on a, on a Betamax, uh, player and yeah, specifically the metal day, um, and being blown away by holy shit. Yeah. Half a million people, man. That's, that's unbelievable. That unbelievable. was, that was even more of an impact on me than, than the bands. I mean, obviously seeing the bands on stage, you know, before we were able to see them, you know, we, we never saw anything like that. I never saw Van Halen perform. We never saw Scorpions or Ozzy or any of these guys. Right. And, and seeing that was, was, was awesome. But the crowd that went on as far as the eye could see, I think, was it Rob Halford who, who said 700,000 heavy metal maniacs? Yeah. And, yeah. and and it was hot. They had the hoses out. They were spraying everybody. They yeah. Spraying that was... But just to see, <laughs> y- all, and it was all young people, predominantly young people. Yeah. It was like, what are they, What? why are they there? Why are all these people congregating in this one, on this one day, in this one spot? It made you want to be a part of it. It made you want to yeah. be like, this is this is this is something that I have to have in my life, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then Live Aid, obviously, after yeah. that, you know, yeah. was was huge. But yeah, you remember Jay? They used to have on MTV. They'd have the Saturday night concert. Yep. Or whatever, right? And so what I remember, and again, Kiss is my band, and ACDC is actually my brother's band. Uh, so we we were we were rivals through the eighties. Always, you know, trying to compare and and contrast them but acdc they hit they had a flick of the switch 83 show love it filmed it filmed at joe lewis arena oh yeah flick of the switch underrated for sure and my brother taped it and i mean i've seen that thing a million times and then moving up to michigan and actually going to shows at joe lewis before they tore it down was surreal for me you know seeing that acdc show i think fastway opened i think they and I, wow. actually, I think they were i think they were there two nights they show the marquee at the beginning and it says acdc november 17th and 18th um but anyway that you know that that whole thing and yeah we were we would always watch those saturday night you know concerts and again you know i didn't see anything live until 87 he my brother saw get this my brother's first show was lover boy and quiet riot wow in, in 1983 so it was right when when uh, metal health was was blowing up but anyway that was his first show but yeah we were we were both in lockstep with with music and live concerts and yeah that that led into kind of led into slam fest which um you know getting getting to what slam fest is I mean, Slamfest is the name coined of our group of friends going to shows. Really? <laughs> that's where it. I was just, gonna, I was just it, gonna, yeah, I was just gonna ask yeah. you that. Like, how did Slamfest? You know, where's the name come from? And and yeah. what was the, what was so, the idea that spawned it? Yeah. So, 2004 Ozfest in Denver, which was unbelievable lineup. So, Black Label, Slayer, reunited Judas Priest with Halford. And Black Sabbath, um, the reunited Black Sabbath. So that was that that show. So that was the six of us. And now there's there's a there's a seventh uh, as well that had been added a couple of years later. But you know we're we're all off living in our own you know our lives, and we congregated in Denver for this show. And Jay, 
one of one of the the slam fest crew get members he coined it i think it was a combination of slamming beers and going to ozfest right so <laughs> slam fest is is where it uh, and it was coined at that show and and it stuck and there you go i was curious as to how you know the name <laughs> where the name came from what what where the idea of the podcast come from so yeah, so I the first podcast I ever heard was Podkissed. You know, surprise, surprise, right? It's a, a kiss one that I that I gravitated first. And then after that, you know, Podcast Rock City. And you know, so most of it was KISS related. And then I kind of v- ventured off and got into some general music ones as well. And it's yeah, at some point we were going to a show and pre-gaming before. And I think I, you know, started talking about podcasts. And I said, Hey, you know, we could do this. I think, you know, we've got kind of a built-in theme of shows and, you know, the pre-gaming stories. And there's a lot of stories, you know, that, <laughs> that come out, but it all, it really started to get serious in 19, 2019, where my brother, and Andy and Craig got together in Vegas to see the Aerosmith residency. So this is pre-COVID, right? By what three months? And we really started diving into, oh, we could do, you know, this segment and this thing and all this stuff. And but you know, I I kept thinking, well, how do, how is this gonna, you know, my concert chronology is different than Craig's and different than Andy's. I mean, there's overlap because we go to shows together, but how? How is how how are we going to do this exactly? We can't just do the the slam fest events specifically because it'll be you know it'll be over in however many months, right? Because I, I put one out weekly, but the the official gatherings, you know, there's only probably I don't know forty or you know somewhere around that number. And then I thought, you know what? Why don't I base this on on me? And I'll do some episodes on my own. I'll bring guests on. And then when we do a, a slam fest gathering, we can I can bring the whole gang on and we can talk about the show. And so it still it took yeah, it took it took some time still, you know, for me to I guess get the balls to actually uh actually do it. Cause it didn't come out until June of 20 was the first uh was the first episode. And I've got uh I don't know when this is going to drop, Jay, but I've got 150 coming out this Thursday. So episode 150 is 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 this Thursday. So, well, congrats on that. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah, and it happens. It happens to be a Slam Fest gathering, which is cool too. So, um, we uh, we saw Heaven and Hell and Megadeth at Cobo Hall. <laughs> wow, <laughs> which uh, which was pretty cool. Yeah, it, uh, it yeah it's a uh, it's a fun, it's a fun episode. We uh, we talk about the show, and then we we pin "Heaven and Hell" versus "Mob Rules" song by song, not track order. I put you know like songs up against each other, and we we put those up against each other, which was which was fun. So, it, podcasting for me in, in doing this, and I don't know if you feel the same way, but the cool things that I've learned about about it is a i've always liked to talk music obviously i knew that but connecting with people like yourself throughout the country throughout the world that want to talk music and you have that connection with them has really been something that 
I didn't appreciate before it happened. Like, I didn't really know that, you know, I've met you, I've met other podcasters. Now, you know, we've met face to face and, you know, we have this, this one thing that's in common. Well, actually two podcasting and love of music. And that's been probably the, the greatest thing that this has given me, you know, is, is now there's the network of friends a network of people that I know that love talking music like me, you know, cause that was yeah. one of the, only, I could talk in a bar about music forever. I could talk around a campfire about music forever at a barbecue. And now I have this, this platform and created this show for myself. Like you did for you. Yeah. It gives me the ability yeah. to do that anytime I want to, anytime I want to do it. Absolutely. Jay. And again, I love talking about music. I love listening to people talk about music, right? So the, the podcasting thing makes sense from a listening standpoint and obviously participating in one. But, you know, it, in the pandemic was interesting because this was a perfect time, right? Shows were shut down. Everything was shut down. So by the time I pulled the trigger on this, I'm like, well, this is an outlet <laughs> right right now that I can I can do uh, while shows are 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 on hold, but you know the like I said the the other Slamfest crew members. I mean Nebraska, Kansas City, Oklahoma, Colorado. Right, we're spread out all over the place. I I don't have anybody, you know, locally that is as into music as you know as I am. So that that's the other I think beauty of the of the podcasting medium. Is that you can meet people like yourself and and you know talk about music and 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 get uh, you know get your get your music uh, you know tastes and and different things out there. So yeah, I, I I agree. I mean, during the pandemic, without this podcast, I don't know what I would have done with myself. I would have had a lot, a lot of time uh, to kill because nobody was going anywhere. Nobody was doing right. anything and everything right. was shut down. And I started doing episodes, five episodes a week, for like two months. <laughs> right. What the hell else am I going to do? You know, yeah, like, like, exactly. Uh, am I going to sit around and how many times am I going to binge on Netflix or binge on a TV show? You know, and, right. and, um, yeah, I think my, my love for talking music even increased during, during the pandemic and, and, you know, getting to know the people, some of the people in the podcast community has been great. Um, but as far as the, the live show goes, one of the things that I think is a lost, let's say lost art or, or lost moment is the pre-gaming stuff is me at someone's house or in a parking lot tailgating before a show, because I don't think a lot of venues allow tailgating anymore. Um, I can't, I, I don't think there's any in the Chicago area that they'll allow. I know there used to be one up in Wisconsin called Alpine Valley. Yeah. Which you could get there at noon and the show didn't start till seven and you could barbecue and cook burgers and play Frisbee and whatever else you got into for seven hours. And some of, some of it was, I, I don't know if you've experienced this, but when you went to venues like that, where you, it was an outdoor venue. And you could get in and tailgate at noon for a seven o'clock show. There were a lot of people that didn't make it into the show <laughs> because they were incapacitated and unable to get into the show. Oh, so that yeah. was a thing. 
Um, The show was a different experience because you would kind of like drink through the drunkness because you'd be partying all day. And the other question I have is how many children were conceived during those pre-gaming, during those tailgaming for hours in the backseat of a car? And maybe that's the reason for the population decline. Who knows, Brad? Maybe we need to do that more. Maybe we need (laughs) to have more of these these seven-hour, eight-hour tailgating binges so that you know we get an increase in the population you know how many babies were were born out of a aerosmith concert at alpine valley or a van halen concert whatever (laughs) right right well yeah so the the pre-gaming piece of it didn't come into my you know into my world until i moved up to michigan because you know growing up in nebraska there was no amphitheater the closest one was in kansas city you know, and that that just is tailor made for for pre gaming. You know, we go to Omaha for shows. We would get dropped off at the front door. You know, before we could drive and come back out. And you know, so there wasn't there wasn't any of that really until I moved up up here. And so Pine Knob, which thank God it's called that again. It, it had a corporate name for a number of years, but that's the that's the one in suburban uh, Detroit. Still, it's anything goes. As long as you you know you've got a a red solo cup, <laughs> you know that is not just open open container type stuff. But you mentioned Chicago, so I have been I've been to three shows in Chicago, Jay. Which one? And two of them, get, which surprisingly, are on the same tour. So I saw ACDC on the Ball Breaker tour at the United Center. And then the second U.S. leg, I saw it at uh, whatever it was called at Tinley Park. Um, I don't think it was the world at that point. I think it Tweeter Center. I think it was probably the Tweeter at that point. Um, But I can. uh, Yeah, they I was all we were all ready. I went with my brother. He flew in from Omaha and we we were all ready at a cooler packed. Didn't know anything about that place. We pull up, you know, they direct you over to park and they are like out of your cars and go inside. And we were like, what, what, what are you talking about? And uh, yeah, they shut that down before we could even get, uh, get started. And then just what, five years ago, well, maybe longer than that, uh, Chicago open air festival. Was that what Kiss I went to? That was the Kiss one. Yeah. yeah. So we we that, that was a slam fest uh, gathering. We went to all three days, and that was a blast. Actually, they they allowed it. We yeah we we were tailgating um, in that soccer stadium, whatever that thing's called, and uh, Toyota Park or whatever, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so anyway, surprisingly, those were the only ones. You know, being so close, I'm only I mean I'm three hours from downtown. Um, here in Michigan, but those are the only ones that I've been to in in Chicago. Well, I got to tell you, the next time Butch Walker tours, you got to come to Chicago and see him. I think he does make it up to Michigan every now and then. I think he plays, I don't know if it's Grand Rapids or Detroit, I'm trying to remember what it is, but yeah, he yeah. puts on a hell of a show and he usually plays yeah. the House of Blues here in Chicago. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'd love to go to the House of Blues. Yeah, there. you get you got to see Butch. You have to see Butch. It's 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 a must for any live music fan. Um, yeah, I've heard you. I've heard you talk about that on your on your show before. I think I even had heard that story of you taking your son uh, yeah. to see him too. So very cool. As far as 
going to shows and, and the podcast, you know, like when you go over the set list and you talk about the songs and the performance, you know, is it, is it easy for you to reflect on the shows once you've been there or talk about them years ago? Like, how does that, cause I mean, you know, things get foggy at our age, you know, and, 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 uh, you know, it's kind of hard to remember what the mo- great moments were. It's even hard to remember what the great moments were a week ago at a show, you know? So, um, <laughs> How does that? How does that work? It, it, yeah, it it is it is a little bit strange because I I don't really have a great, you know I, I'm bad with names, you know after I beat somebody and but for whatever reason, with regards to live shows, I have a I have a photographic memory with them. So I've got all my ticket stubs, and you know that was. From from day one, you know, I, I I made sure that I kept all my all my ticket stubs, and so now as technology has presented itself over the years, I've got all my shows in an Excel spreadsheet, and my wife is smarter than me, so she's got it filtered where I can say, you know, just show me the Kiss shows, just show me the shows in Chicago or whatever, right? I can I can filter the stuff out that way, so I've got at least all of that stuff documented. And as I'm going through my chronology, yeah, I mean, I'm going back. I mean, pictures, there's uh, there's pictures, obviously, at, at some of these. And over the last, you know, 10 to 15 years, there's there's more and more pictures because everyone had a has a camera on their phone. So that helps, you know, trigger some trigger some memories, obviously, talking to the other guys. If I go to shows with people, they remember things that that I don't, but yeah, I mean, I go back, I go to setlistfm.com, which again, I know isn't a hundred percent accurate, but most of the shows, you know, have, have set list or at least the, the, you know, a, a stop on the tour, which most of the shows back in the day, everything was the the same from, from city to city. But uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I, a lot of useless shit in my head, Jay. That's 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 where it, that's where it comes from. But you mentioned like a show from last week, so I, I think the podcast, you know, it works from going through the chronology, and I think it also lends itself to covering real time shows. So finally, when you know started seeing real time shows, I was six months into the podcast and hadn't covered a, a real time show, but I insert those, you know, as I as I go, which which I think keeps it fresh. And, you know, also it's, uh, I go out of format. I mean, most of it's hard rock and, and rock and metal, but, you know, from time to time I do go out of format, which I think is, is interesting. At first I was, I remember talking in Vegas, you know, should, should I talk about, you know, the Cheryl Crow show that I saw, or should I skip that one? No, talk about it. I think that, yeah, that'll, that'll be interesting to, you know, kind of venture into some other uh, genres and, and, and that type of thing. So I do go into, I do go into those shows as well. So yeah, like the monkeys, you know, I covered um, the go-go's and B-52s and, you know, that type of stuff's been covered and I've got, I've got more out of format stuff coming up, which, which will be fun too. Yeah, that's always fun to do too. I, I haven't done too many outside of kind of my sweet spot in a while. I'm trying to think if there's been a show um, that I've done. Um, no, there hasn't. There really hasn't. I, there's some country stars, like old school country stars that I want to see too. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, 
you know, one of the great things about going to Nashville is you can go down to Nashville any weekend <laughs> and you can look up all the venues and you can have two or three shows to go to on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday and be be happy that you saw them. Oh, you know, yeah. one of my bucket lists for a show is still the Ryman Auditorium in Nashville. I still want to go to, go to that. I want to go to Austin City Limits in Texas. Um, those are two of the ones that I really want to go to and check out. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Have you, uh, have you ever been to Red Rocks? I have not. Okay. Yeah. That's another one that's on my bucket list. Just been there one time, but yeah, that was, that was something else. Um, beautiful, beautiful venue for sure. I was just at the whiskey for the first time on New Year's. I heard, yeah, you saw LA Guns. Yeah, that was awesome. Awesome. Uh, so yeah, I think now I'm kind of at that point where I want to go to certain venues I haven't been to. Yeah, no, absolutely. And yeah, we've covered, you know, I've covered, you know, the guests I've had on, we've covered venues. Cause again, you know, my, my life story is, is interesting from the standpoint of grow up in Nebraska, went to school in Iowa, moved to Michigan, moved to Kansas city, moved to Baltimore, DC, back to Michigan, you know, so it's been it's it, you know it's not the same venues every time I've I've seen shows in different uh, cities and different states. I've traveled obviously to 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 different places to see shows too. So I think that that helped you know helped with it too. Kind of kind of mix mix things up uh, a little bit. But that yeah, there's there's definitely venues out there that I have not. Uh, I mean, I've never been to Madison Square Garden. Period. Um, <laughs> you know, I was able. I. Went to Yankee Stadium, you know, when I was in New York. But anyway, you know, MSGs uh, and then the the Sunset Strip in general. Yeah, we've talked about trying to catch a show, the Slam Fest crew out in California and, and you know, try to time it around something going on at one of those one of those classic venues uh, clubs out there. But haven't haven't done it yet. Well, the Midwest offers so much, too. I mean, you've been in Michigan, oh, yeah. in Chicago. I mean, I can. Get down to the Vogue in Indianapolis in three and a half hours. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. I've been there. Southgate. I've been there actually. Yeah, yeah. Southgate House in Kentucky, which is right near Cincinnati, is four and a half hours away. There's a venue in St. Louis. I can't remember the name of it. There's a venue in Kansas City that's really cool. Um, you know, the smaller club, you know, theater type yeah. stuff. And yep. yeah, I mean, going to shows um, in the Midwest. I mean, I go up to Wisconsin a lot too to Pabst Theater. Sure. Those are some yep. uh, some cool sh- you know cool stuff. And Madison Madison's got Bratfest over Memorial Day weekend. Oh, um, okay. And I think Slaughter's headlining on oh, one really? of the, <laughs> on one of the nights. But Bourbon House, which is a band from Wisconsin, I've had on, and and um, uh, the Black Moods uh, are going to be both performing. And hey, you know Bratfest, it's going to be Brat yeah. there. So like, yeah, right. That in itself is is reason <laughs> to go, Brad. Brats and live music, win win for sure. For and sure. you know, in Wisconsin, you're you're five minutes from beer and cheese at all times. You're in Wisconsin, <laughs> yeah, right, right, so. right. Have you ever seen anything overseas? No, I haven't. I really want okay. to do that. I mean, I really want to go to the UK. One of my bucket list things is Glastonbury Festival. Sure. Yeah. I want. I, I definitely want to check that out. Um, that's what Scotland, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I definitely want to go up there and check out Glastonbury. And there's some cool places like in France and the Netherlands that are really cool to see 
Um, so yeah, I've always wanted to experience that. I want to, after I saw ACDC um, live in Argentina at uh, is it River Plate, I think it is. River Plate, yeah. <laughs> Which, if, for those that haven't seen it, forget ACDC. The crowd is the most entertaining thing about Unbelievable. that show. Yeah. You can go watch it on YouTube, live at River Plate. But like, I find myself watching the show rather than the band, and the band, the, the, the crowd is just mesmerizing. So I want to see a show in Argentina, like in that experience. Oh God, yeah, because yeah, that yeah. would be that would be incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've only seen one show overseas. So when I graduated college in '95, took some time. My wife and I went and traveled Europe for a month, and it was funny because. Bon Jovi was over there playing, you know, soccer stadiums or whatever. And we were, we were always just behind them as they, you know, as our itinerary uh, was set up. And so we were just behind them and I've never seen, never saw Bon Jovi actually, which is, which is a little odd, but we were in Munich for a week and we just kind of, that was a base and we shot off to these, you know, smaller cities uh, visiting different things and the band live was over there and they played in an old airplane hangar. And what's interesting about that venue, and I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head, but that was the last venue that Nirvana played a show. <laughs> and wow. I learned that late, way after, I mean, Actually, I've covered that show, uh, obviously, because it was back in in ninety five, and I'm in the mid two thousands right now on my on my chronology. But anyway, that it was it was a blast. I mean, just again, different, right? I mean, the yeah, the the, the crowds are 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 crazy uh, over there, and and so that was an interesting uh, interesting experience. But that's the only it was they were they were supporting throwing copper. Um, mm -hmm. Still played a couple songs off of the next album uh, at that show, but uh, anyway, that was that's my only overseas experience. But yeah, I'd love to go to South America or something. That would be something. Yeah, that, <laughs> that ACDC River Plate show is just <laughs> insane. insane. It the is. crowd, and they're with them. The, the crowd is with the band from the first note to the last. There's no oh, yeah. like like slow down like it is no. intense the whole time yeah. and just like all i kept thinking to myself is man stay on your feet mm -hmm. because the crowd is shifting and not just like one or two people like hundreds of people are shifting at once and swaying back and forth you got to stay on your feet and you can't oh, yeah. you fall in that show you're going to be in some trouble <laughs> yeah yeah. Spe yeah speaking of general admission shows so i saw ozzy on the No More Tours tour in Omaha. It was a general admission show. On the floor, lights go out. You know, they have that long, cool intro, you know, that was kind of flashing back to his history and all that stuff. And and right as the curtain is dropping, all of a sudden, my, my left foot, I think it was my left foot, gets pulled from behind, and I'm getting pulled backwards. Through a through the crowd and my my shoelace had gotten wrapped around a guy's like work boot something something I got tied and he was bailing and I was going with him <laughs> so oh, wow. luckily luckily I was able to stay on my feet my one foot I'm like hopping as I'm getting my brother was standing right next to me and 
And just, he's like, yeah, I, all of a sudden you were gone, man. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what happened. So scary stuff, but you got to stay on your feet for sure. So I went to see Iron Maiden in Chicago at the Aragon Ballroom, like 98, I want to say. Okay. Yeah, I know what you're talking about because I, I that was with Blaze. No, right? it wasn't. It wasn't. Oh. So here's what happened. So they released the last album with Blaze on, I forget, was it, I forget the name of the album. So my friend had bought tickets because they were playing the Aragon because like a lot of bands at the time, their popularity had dipped and even more so with Maiden because Bruce wasn't in the band. So they were going from playing arenas to like theaters, the Aragon ballroom, which I think is a 2,800 capacity. And so he got the tickets. It was a blaze. So I was going to go. I'm like, yeah, I'll go, whatever. So after the album sales, you know, for the first month or first couple of weeks, because back then it wasn't a weekend thing for album sales. It was months and weeks. And <laughs> right. The album was not doing good. And I don't know if the record label forced Iron Maiden or Iron Maiden did it themselves, but whatever the case is, Blaze left the band and they replaced them with Adrian Smith and Bruce Dickinson were back in the band. And they were going to finish out the dates that they were going to, that, that, that they, they already had. So we I had these you. tickets, right. To see Iron Maiden in a small, I shouldn't say small. <laughs> it's a nice size theater. Yeah. yeah. And it's an old school Chicago theater, Aragon ballroom used to be called the Aragon brawl room. And I've been to a lot of shows there. Nice. So 98, you know, we walk in and, Somehow we got to the front of of the general admission on, on the floor. So we're all on the front. We're waiting for Maiden to come up. And Maiden comes on. This is before Brave New World, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, before yep. Brave New World. And all of a sudden, the crowd moves forward. And I'm at the front. And I feel myself going forward without being able to stop. I'm like, oh, my God. So I put my arms out. On the on the fence or on the, yep. on the barricade, yeah, yeah. And I had my I had to have my arms extended the whole time during the show because if I wouldn't, I, I don't know if I would have been crushed, but it would have been an uncomfortable experience, you know, because yeah. I would have had no movement whatsoever. We yeah. couldn't go out and get beers during the show <laughs> because it was right. impossible. It was just yes, forget about it. Yeah. And I walked out. It was a great show. Because of you know part of that because of that experience you had the enjoyment of the show the crowd being crazy and then this fear of being trampled at the same time <laughs> so it was this unique feeling and I remember just walking out dripping with sweat at the end and we were like that was so kick ass but you know oh, yeah we were very close to dying that night <laughs> and right. then to follow that up I had a job interview like three days later and I couldn't hear anything oh. my ears were still blown from the show and I got the job. <laughs> I don't know how I, cause I couldn't hear a damn question. <laughs> I got like little bits and pieces of like the question and I got the job and, uh, and, and like, man, I, I can't believe I got the job. My ears, I couldn't hear a damn thing. So yeah, yeah, that was a, that was an incredible, incredible experience. So where can people find you? Yeah. So the, you know, I'm on, I'm on Facebook, uh, mostly just, just Slamfest uh, podcast. You know, and then uh, podcast episode wise, come out Thursday mornings. Most of the time, sometimes if I see a real time show, I may need an extra day uh, or two to to put it out. But mostly, 
Thursday mornings, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, you know, those are my those are my main ones. And then uh you know, slamfastpodcast at gmail.com is is an email if uh you want to reach out to me. So there you go. Do your kids share your love for live music? Have you taken your kids to shows? You know, great, yeah, great question. Because when you were talking about taking your son to Butch Walker, I started going through my head on on the shows that we've taken them to. So they they do. They're both, uh, you know, they're in band, so they're musicians, which is more than more than dad. I mean, mom mom's a musician too. So um, they 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 have a love for music. You know, they they like their own stuff. Obviously, I mean, I've exposed them to. To different things. And so we've taken them to, we took them to Weird Al Yankovic. We took them to um, Bare Naked Ladies a couple times, I want to say, you know, and one of them was this last summer. So Gin Blossoms and uh, Toe the Wet Sprocket, I think were on that, on that bill. So that was cool. But then I did, so End of the Road Tour, Kiss Tour, 2019, Grand Rapids is the I took took the whole family to to that show and that was I, you know I I knew it was going to be you know and it, it it may sound silly but it it was kind of emotional for me you know so I'm sitting there and I'm you know the show starts and and they they can't take their eyes off and again this is a perfect the show is you know gets gets some shit from here and there on what they're doing and you know, the, the live aspect of it and all of that, but it's a perfect show to take a kid to, you know, for their first kiss show. Cause it's, it's visually a spectacle and, 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 you know, musically, I mean, they're playing everything that for the most part that, that a lot of the people will, will know. And even my kids will know. So, you know, watching them watch dad's band, right. Was, I was watching them more than I was the, the the band on stage. So pretty cool stuff. And then, you know, with both of my kids, so I, you know, I, I made up a, a lullaby for my daughter to the melody of Beth. And they're obviously doing Beth on that tour. So my wife took a picture of us watching, you know, Eric Singer performing Beth and, and that, uh, that was pretty special. You know, I, again, I, yeah, I just, I changed the words and, you know, used to sing that to her when she was, when she was little. So, and then I took them, they, right before the, right, this is right before the pandemic. So February, they were back in Fort Wayne and I just took my kids. I think my wife was on a girl's weekend somewhere and, and I took them down to Fort Wayne and we saw it again with David Lee Roth opening, which was, (laughs) which was entertaining in itself. Uh, but yeah, so I think those are the, I think those are the only shows that I've taken them to, but yeah, it's, it's a special moment to, to share a live show with, with your kids, especially with how important live music is to me. So, oh, I get it. I absolutely get it. I take my son to shows a lot, you know, he's 18 now and he's been, he's been to a few dozen shows, a couple dozen shows already. And nice, you know, I get caught up. I understand that emotion. Yeah. You, know, you know, watching your kid enjoy music like that and, and knowing yeah. that he's got the same passion that you have and, and, yeah. and having the same experience. And, you know, one of the probably recent shows was when I went and saw Maiden in October. Um, 
at the United Center in Chicago. And I'm not a big venue guy anymore. I try to stay away from the big venues. I like <laughs> right. theaters and stuff. Right. So we're sitting there and, and my son, you know, rocking out to Flight of Icarus <laughs> and all that. I mean, I just, I'm just watching him because that was me. That yeah. Was me. Oh, yeah. You know, and it's, it's, it's like when life comes full circle, Brad, you know, with your kids and they're <laughs> having that same joy that you had. You know, it it is a pretty, you know, emotional thing. It's not, it's not, you know, it's, it's, especially someone like, you know, ourselves who are passionate about music. Yeah. You know, that, that does mean a lot to us, you know, and because you want your kids to be passionate about something. And, and and of course we know what our passions are, but when they, you start that, that seed and you watch that seed grow, that's pretty special. It is. It is for sure. So yeah, that's a, that was a great maiden show to take your kid to for sure. I yeah, yeah. I saw it in Detroit uh, as well. So yeah, they should be back at the end of the year, I think too. They're doing that. That's what I do. Yeah, summer and time stuff. You know, yeah, the future past or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like they're going to do some. Yeah, they announced some Canadian dates, and of course they're going to that power. They're they're part of that power trip. Yeah. Festival thing, so they they've got to have some other dates. Got to take a loan out to go get tickets to that. That's just <laughs> you know what? It's funny. Our our group talked about it. You know, when it got announced, we were all like, "Wow, wow!" And you know, and it is intriguing from the standpoint that it's not. You know, this is not a twelve hour day, right? I mean, there are two bands. It sounds like on each on each night, which is which is intriguing, but it's also out in the middle of the desert and. And prices and, you know, do you camp, do you hotel, yeah, it just, the logistics, you know, I don't know. I, we're hoping, obviously, we're hoping that that's not the only ACDC North American <laughs> show. You know, we, we saw them, saw them on the, uh, on the last stadium tour, a bunch of us went to Ford Field to see them back in whatever that was, 15, 2016 time frame. But uh yeah, hopefully they do some other shows as well. But that's the we'll one see. yeah, that's the one big band that I want to take my son to see, you know, because yeah, you know, he's, he's seen Maiden, he's seen Metallica. That's yeah. ACDC is the one that uh you know I, I want to take him to because I think you know they're gonna be if they haven't already, maybe this is a special one off show, but they're gonna be Probably going away pretty soon. I yeah, I would think so. Brian Brian can't do it for much longer, and and I mean Angus, God bless him. I mean, what is he up in upper sixties? Yeah, so he can't do. You know, if he was just standing still, that'd be one thing. But he doesn't stand still. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. <laughs> so, well, Brad, it's been a blast, man. You got to come back and do it again. Um, love having you on, man. Thankful to finally have you on. And uh, I do appreciate the time, man. Thank you, Jay. And again, I appreciate it was off the cuff and we just talked music, man. It was great. It was great. Yeah. And I I will be reciprocating at some point. So look for a look for a message from me. I'll throw some bands and some shows out and we'll see if we can set something up. Perfect, man. I look forward to it. All right. Thanks again. Everyone, that is Brad. Check out his podcast, Slam Fest. And it's available on Apple Podcasts and other platforms, too, as well. But uh, check that out. It's great. It's 
especially if you're in the live music and you want to kind of hear a recap of shows and some of the bands that maybe you like and kind of hear your perspective, hear his perspective, a different perspective. So check it out. Great podcast. I'm Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Me podcast. Thanks again for tuning in. Don't forget to write us a review. And we will talk soon. Thanks. <laughs>